السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمه قلبي امين يا رب العالمين so how are you today alhamdulillah okay inshallah we will begin Kitabul Janaiz, inshallah, will begin from Bab number 76. Bab Al-Idkhiri Wal-Hashishi Fil-Qabri. Al-Idkhir and Hashish in the grave. What does it mean by that? Idkhir is a kind of a grass or herb and Hashish is grass. Hashish is also used for marijuana today, but this is not what this Hashish is referring to. At that time, Hashish was simply grass. And idkhir is a certain type of a grass, it's more like a herb, that also smells very good. And the Arabs would use it for many different purposes. In fact, it's also used as medicine. So idkhir and hashish, using these two in the grave. Why use them in the grave? Remember that when a grave is dug, whether it's a lahd or just the straight uh, grave, it's not just a hole. It's actually built, meaning bricks are layered on the side. Okay, on both sides. If it's a straight, if it's a shaq, if it's just a ditch in the ground, then bricks are laid on both sides. And if it's a lahd, then again, bricks are laid on the sides. Why? So that the mud doesn't fall directly onto the deceased person. So when you are putting bricks, you're layering them one on top of the other, then sometimes, of course, there will be gaps. that will remain. So in order to fill those gaps, people would use grass. So that when they pour mud, it doesn't fall through those gaps and fall onto the body of the deceased. Rather, the grass would prevent it from falling directly onto the body of the deceased. You understand? Okay. Just imagine, bricks are layered on the sides. Okay. And if it's a lahat, the body is placed over there and then bricks are laid on the side. And then between the bricks, what is put? Grass. Why? So that when they pour dirt over here, the dirt doesn't fall onto the, it doesn't go sideways and fall onto the body of the deceased. And if it's a shak, if it's a ditch in the ground, then again, the body is to be covered with some kind of brick or board, wooden board or something, whatever material people have. And then the middle of it, if there were any gaps, they were filled with grass. So that when they pour dirt on top, again, the dirt doesn't go directly onto the body of the deceased. Alright? And also remember that when Musab ibn Umayr was being buried, they didn't have enough cloth to bury him in, so they put grass on his feet. So using grass in the grave, is this something permissible? حدثنا محمد بن عبد الله بن حوشب حدثنا عبد الوهاب حدثنا خالد عن عكرمة Now, inshallah, when we read through the sanad, through the chain of narration, there's lots of names, lots of words over here. I want you to start noticing the names of the companions and also the name that comes before the companion's name. Because that's the person who's receiving hadith from the companion. So here we see that the companion is Abdullah ibn Abbas. And who is taking hadith from Abdullah ibn Abbas? Ikrimah. 
This is a very important name, Ikrimah. He's one of the Tabi'un, one of the followers of the companions. Inshallah, we will learn about the Tabi'un in our next session. So Ikrimah took this hadith from Ibn Abbas, who reported, عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَالَ That the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ said, حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ مَكَّةَ Allah has made Makkah haram. What does it mean by that? He has made it a sanctuary, a safe place. It is a sacred place. And what is meant by haram is that it's not hill. Okay, Hill is the opposite of haram. Remember that Makkah is haram. Medina is haram. And outside of Makkah, especially when you're entering Makkah, there is a boundary. And basically inside of that boundary, which is the haram area, things that may be allowed otherwise are not permissible. This is why haram. Why? Because things that may be allowed otherwise are not permissible here. And the Prophet ﷺ explained what is haram. حرم الله مكة فلم تحل لأحد قبلي ولا لأحد بعدي So it was not made lawful for anyone before me, nor will it be made lawful for anyone after me. أُحِلَّتْ لِي سَاعَةً مِّن نَهَارٍ It was made permissible for me for an hour of the day. What is this referring to? Remember that one of the things that is not permissible in the haram is qatl or fighting, waging war. Right? It's not permissible. It may be permissible outside when there is a legitimate reason, right? or in self-defense, or different reasons. And that's not the, the focus of our discussion over here. But the point is that warfare may be allowed elsewhere, but it is not allowed in the city of Makkah. Because Allah has made that place sacred. So bloodshed is not allowed. However, an exception was made for the Prophet ﷺ for an hour of the day. When? During the conquest of Makkah. Because what happened was that even though the Prophet ﷺ entered Makkah very peacefully and in short tried his best to make sure that there would be no bloodshed and said that anyone who goes into the Masjid al-Haram is safe, anyone who goes into the house of Abu Sufyan is safe, etc., etc. There was a whole list that was given to the people of Makkah so that they would go to safety. However, there were some people who were severe opponents of the Prophet ﷺ and who had caused immense damage to the Muslims and the cause of Islam over the years. And these criminals had to be held accountable. But many of them, what they did is that they went straight to the Kaaba. Right? One of them held on to the cloth of the Kaaba. It's like Tio. You know, like, you can't do anything. Right? I'm safe. So that's what they did because that was the tradition of the time. People, to be safe, would go to Makkah. Right? Because nobody can touch me here. Nobody can hold me accountable here. Right? So an exception was made for the Prophet ﷺ just for a sa'ah min nahar. Alright, one hour of the day. An hour, don't think it to be 60 minutes. An hour is like a short period of time of the day. And this was of course to catch those criminals and hold them accountable. And then he explained that لا يختلى خلاها Its thorn bushes may not be uprooted. It's khala, it's thorn bushes. لا يختلى, they should not be uprooted. ولا يعضد شجرها Its trees should not be cut down. وَلَا يُنَفَّرُ صَيْدُهَا Its game should not be chased away. 
يُنَفَّرُ الصَّيْدُهَا Sayd is basically an animal that you want to hunt. Okay? So a person cannot say, well, this animal is, this deer is inside Makkah, so I can't hunt it. Let me chase it outside of the haram. Right? And as soon as I'm out, out of the boundary, I can kill it. No, that's not allowed either. وَلَا تُلْتَقَطُ لُقَطَتُهَا And its fallen things should not be picked up. Luqata is basically things that people drop. Accidentally, they lose. Alright? So, no one can pick up any fallen thing, any dropped thing. So, for example, if you're walking towards the haram, right, and you see a wallet, you can't pick it up. You see money, you can't pick it up. You see abandoned shoes, you cannot pick them up. Right? You cannot take them. Except for, illa limu'arrif. Except for the one who will make it known. Meaning, for example, you pick up the wallet and you say loudly, somebody dropped their wallet. Right? Whose wallet is it? Or for example, you go and give it to the lost and found. And there's many lost and found places now. Right? You go and give it over there. Then you can pick it up. Otherwise, you are not allowed to pick it up. فَقَالَ Abbas رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ so when the Prophet ﷺ said this, Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِلَّا الْإِذْخَرِ Except for إِذْخِرِ He requested for an exception that you said that its trees, its plants should not be cut. Please allow us to cut إِذْخِرِ grass. Why? لِصَاغَتِنَا وَقُبُورِنَا For our saga, and that refers to goldsmiths, and our graves. Because of course people who work with metals, I mean they need to light fire and in order to light fire, one of the easiest things you can use is grass. And also for other things such as if you want to sharpen an object or basically smoothen it out, then you can use something like grass to rub it smooth. So of course you would have to cut that grass in order to use it for that purpose. So Sala, the goldsmiths, they needed this grass. وَقُبُورِنَا And also for our graves, we needed to fill in the spaces between bricks فَقَالَ uh, So the Prophet ﷺ said, إِلَّا الْإِذْخِرِ Except for إِذْخِرِ He said except for إِذْخِرِ Meaning he made that exception. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَ reported from the Prophet ﷺ لِقُبُورِنَا وَبُيُوتِنَا Meaning in another chain, the words قُبُور and بُيُوت were mentioned. قُبُور are graves and بُيُوت homes. So people needed this grass to use in their homes also for different purposes. So in this hadith we see the sanctity of Makkah, right? that how even plants are supposed to be safe over there. Trees, thorny bushes, animals are supposed to be safe over there. Then what about human beings? They're supposed to be safe. Except for, we see that one exception was made for the Prophet ﷺ when he conquered Makkah. And he made clear that based on this, no one should think that they can wage war here or do anything of the sort. Remember one thing though, that if a person commits a crime in the haram, then he is punished for that crime in the haram. If a person commits a crime in the haram, then he is punished for it where? In the haram. So that legal punishment will be given in the haram. And over there, it cannot be said that, oh no, no, haram is a safe place, so nobody should be harmed over here, so we have to let this criminal go. No. He will be punished in the haram. And that symbolizes that if a person does not respect the sanctity of the haram, then his life and his honor is also not safe. If he violates the haram, then he himself will also be violated.
So Makkah is Baladan Aminan, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a safe, a secure city. وَقَالَ أَبَانُ بْنُ صَالِحٍ عَنِ الْحَسَنِ بْنِ مُسْلِمٍ عَنْ صَفِيَّةَ بِنْتِ شَيْبَةَ سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِثْلَهُ Safiyah bint Shayba narrated something similar that she heard from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم وَقَالَ مُجَاهِدٌ عَنْ طَاوُوسٍ عَنِ بْنِ عَبَّاسٍ See the name here again from Ibn Abbas who's taking the hadith? Tawus. Another narration goldsmiths or people who don't just work with gold but other metals also, وَبُيُوتِهِمْ and their homes. So we see that different narrations Imam Bukhari brings over here to prove that the use of idhir, grass, is permissible for the purpose of burying the dead. باب هل يخرج الميت من القبر واللحد هل يخرج Can he be taken out? Who الميت The deceased person من القبر from the grave واللحد and even the لحد meaning the niche لعلة for a reason What does it mean by this? If a person's body has been put in the grave the burial is not yet complete Okay? Like for example they just lowered the body into the grave but for some reason they had to extract the body Can they do that? Or once they've put the body in the lahd or they've put it in the grave, they're not allowed to bring it out. Are they allowed to bring it out for a reason? Yes. And when a person is buried in the grave, the burial has been complete. People buried him, they went away, days passed, months passed. But for a reason, the body must be taken out and buried elsewhere. Is that permissible? Hmm? Like for example, if a certain area is being flooded, constantly flooded, and there are people buried over there, and because of the constant flooding and the erosion of the soil, etc., you know, the bodies may get you know further damaged, and they weren't buried very long ago, so it's possible that they aren't fully decomposed, right? There might be different reasons genuine reasons so is it permissible then to relocate a grave this is what the discussion is about Go ahead. not too long ago actually two of the companions graves were basically relocated because of flooding issues so yes this may be a necessity but does every reason become a necessity for relocation of the grave no it's not so let's look at the ahadith حدثنا علي بن عبد الله حدثنا سفيان قال عمر سمعت جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه reported قال he said أتى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عبد الله بن أبين he said the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came to عبد الله بن أبي who is عبد الله بن أبي exactly the chief of hypocrites the biggest hypocrite their leader so Abdullah ibn Ubay was not a believer, not a sincere believer at all actually, because Allah negated his iman. So this person, when he died, the Prophet ﷺ came, بَعْدَمَا أُدْخِلَ حُفْرَتَهُ After his body was admitted, it was put into the hufra. What is the hufra? A hole. And what is meant is the grave. 
So the body was placed in the grave and that is when the Prophet ﷺ arrived. فَأَمَرَ بِهِ فَأُخْرِجَ So the Prophet ﷺ gave the instruction and the body was taken out. فَوَضَعَهُ عَلَى رُكْبَتَيْهِ And he put it on his knees. وَنَفَثَ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ رِيقِهِ And he applied some of his saliva on the body of Abdullah ibn Ubay. وَأَلْبَسَهُ قَمِيصَهُ And he put his shirt on him. The Prophet ﷺ put his own shirt on who? Abdullah ibn Ubay. Amazing. You know why? There's different reasons that the companions gave as to why the Prophet ﷺ honored the body of Abdullah ibn Ubay when Abdullah ibn Ubay was such a pathetic man and, and the way he behaved with the Prophet ﷺ I mean, in such low ways. You know, the way he attacked the family of the Prophet ﷺ, he attacked Aisha radiallahu anha. Can you imagine? It wasn't a small attack. He made up a story about, you know, that Aisha radiallahu anha, na'udhu billah, that she was with another man and she did something wrong with him. I mean, imagine how much distress this man caused the Prophet ﷺ, not just once, but many times, not just in one way, but many ways. At the Battle of Uhud, such a difficult time, and Abdullah ibn Ubay took away 300 men with him. He openly criticized the Prophet ﷺ. But what happened when Abdullah ibn Ubay died? His son was a sincere believer. And he came to the Prophet ﷺ requesting him that please, I want your shirt. I want to put your shirt on my father. And I want you to pray for him. And the Prophet ﷺ went for this, even though Umar anhu opposed him so much. The Prophet ﷺ went anyway. Why? Because of, out of respect for the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay. You know, the thing is that if someone hurts us, we become so petty. So petty. We keep that grudge for not just that time, but for years and years. And we extend that grudge to not just that person, but to their entire family. Right? This lady said that to me 10 years ago and now her daughter, I don't want to see her face. That's her grandson? Get him out of here. Right? I mean, we dwell on these petty issues. You know, it's so unbefitting. Look at the way of the Prophet ﷺ. He got there when Abdullah bin Ubay had been placed in the grave. He instructed that the body be brought out. It was taken out. The Prophet ﷺ put his saliva on him. And why would he do that? Because the Prophet's body was blessed. So, you know, in a way he was showing that, okay, Abdullah bin Ubay will be buried with something from me. And then he put his shirt on him. Jabir ibn Abdullah said, Fallahu a'lam. Allah knows best. I mean, it's like it was beyond his understanding that why would the Prophet ﷺ honor Abdullah bin Ubay like that? But he gave an explanation. He said, Wakana kasa abbasan qamisan. That Abdullah bin Ubay gave his shirt to Abbas radiallahu anhu. When did this happen? Remember that Abbas radiallahu anhu, he came in the battle of Badr from the side of the mushrikeen. Because being from the Quraysh, being from the people of Makkah, he had to participate in that battle. He had no choice. So he came in the battle from the side of the mushrikeen and he was actually captured as a prisoner of war. So when he was captured and brought into Medina as a prisoner of war, 
he came in such a state that he was not even wearing a shirt. And so Abdullah ibn Ubay gave Abbas radiallahu anhu his shirt, his own shirt. You understand? So the Prophet ﷺ recognized that act of generosity and he wanted to reciprocate. So at this time, the Prophet ﷺ gave his own shirt to Abdullah bin Ubay. For what? For the fact that he, once upon a time, gave his shirt to the Prophet's uncle, Abbas anhu. So this is the reasoning that Jabir ibn Abdullah is presenting. قال سفيان وقال أبو هارون وكان على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قميصان. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم at the time was wearing two shirts. Okay, one inner shirt and one outer shirt. He was wearing two shirts at the time. فقال له ابن عبد الله. So the son of Abdullah said to him, يا رسول الله ومسنجر الله ألبس أبي قميصك الذي يلي جلدك. O Messenger of Allah. Put the shirt which is touching your skin on my father. You understand? So the inner shirt, the son of Abdullah requested that the Prophet ﷺ put that on his father. قال Sufyanu, Sufyan said, فَيُرَوْنَ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ أَلْبَسَ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ قَمِيصَهُ مُكَافَأَةً لِمَا صَنِعَ So Sufyan said that the Prophet, that it was observed, or this is the explanation that was given, that the Prophet ﷺ gave his shirt to Abdullah. Why? Mukafa'atan as a compensation, right? In recompense for lima sanir for what he had done. Lima sanir for what he had done. What had he done? He had given his shirt to Abbas anhu. So the Prophet ﷺ kind of reciprocated over here. What do we learn from this hadith? Yes, that in spite of all the evil that Abdullah ibn Ubay did to the Prophet ﷺ, to the Muslims, how he put the Muslims in danger so many times. I mean, if you start listing the crimes of this individual, there are many. I mean, almost every problem that the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims faced, right, every big problem can be attributed to Abdullah ibn Ubay. But... At this time, the Prophet ﷺ was still generous to him. Why? Not because of Abdullah ibn Ubay, but because of the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay. Abdullah ibn Ubay's son was a sincere believer. I mean, you can imagine the state of Abdullah ibn Ubay's son. That, okay, he has lost his father. Okay, that's a painful experience. But knowing what kind of a man his father was, Right? That must have hurt him even more because his father did not repent. Right? So look at him that as a son, he is doing what he can do to ensure that maybe, perhaps, his father will have a good end. Maybe. Maybe there will be some blessing for him because of the shirt of the Prophet ﷺ. Maybe there will be forgiveness for him because of the salah of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, look at the length that the son is going to. And this is part of Ihsan Bilwalidain. Sometimes what happens is that we say, my father is doing something wrong. My mother is doing something wrong. Regardless of what they're doing, you are still obligated to do Ihsan towards your parents. That doesn't mean you support them in the wrong, but it means that you do good to them in the capacity that you can do. 
right? In the capacity that you have. Birrul walidain, ihsan bil walidain, this is important. And we see how the Prophet ﷺ is also so considerate over here towards the feelings of the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay. Anything else you notice in this hadith? Anything else? Yes. Of course. Yes. We see very clearly that the body can be taken out if there is something that needs to be done. One thing you see here is that the Sahaba said that the Prophet ﷺ gave his own shirt because of what Abdullah ibn Ubay did for Abbas radiallahu If you think about it, Abbas radiallahu is who? The uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Isn't it? Abdullah bin Ubay once did some ihsan towards Abbas radiallahu Once upon a time, that was not really a big deal, it was just a shirt. But the Prophet sallallahu is reciprocating. Do not take the favors of people or the help of people for granted. The help that they offer you or the help that they offer your friends, your family, your relatives. Right? Because generally we only pay attention to people who have done good to us. What about the people who have done good to our parents? People who have been generous to our uncle, our aunt, our grandmother, our grandfather. Who are those people? Do we even know them? Because as human beings we are dependent on each other, right? So acknowledge the favors of people done towards you and done towards your relatives. Acknowledge them. But again, we don't acknowledge them because of what? Petty issues, grudges, little things that we have, you know, experienced maybe years ago and we just keep them in the heart and we keep, you know, dwelling over them and we hold ourselves back from khair. حدثنا مسدد أخبرنا بشر بن المفضل حدثنا حسين المعلم عن عطاء عن جابر رضي الله عنه Again you see the name of جابر رضي الله عنه and عطاء is taking the hadith from him قال he said لما حضر أحد دعاني أبي من الليل جابر بن عبد الله said that when it was time for the battle of أحد my father called me in the night فقال he said, meaning his father said to him, that مَا أُرَانِي إِلَّا مَقْتُولًا فِي أَوَّلِ مَنْ يُقْتَلُ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I don't see myself except as someone who will be killed right in the beginning of the battle. That the battle is very soon and I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to make it. وَإِنِّي لَا أَتْرُكُ بَعْدِي أَعَزَّ عَلَيَّ مِنْكَ and I will not leave anyone after me that is more dear to me than you. غَيْرَ نَفْسِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Except of course the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He is the dearest to me and after him, you my son Jabir are the dearest to me. فَإِنَّ عَلَيَّ دَيْنًا فَقْضِي He said to him that I have some debt, some loan that I have incurred, so please pay it off. وَاسْتَوْصِي بِأَخَوَاتِكَ خَيْرًا and be good towards your sisters. Treat your sisters well. فَأَصْبَحْنَا فَكَانَ أَوَّلَ قَتِيلًا Jabir said that we entered the morning, and of course there was a battle, and he was the first of those who were killed. وَدُفِنَ مَعَهُ آخَرُ فِي قَبْرٍ And he said that my father was buried in the grave with another person. Because remember that after the battle of Uhud we have read several ahadith that show that 
Sometimes two people were put in the same grave. So this is how the father of Jabir who was also put in the grave. He said, ثُمَّ لَمْ تَطِبْ نَفْسِي أَنْ أَتْرُكَهُ مَعَ الْآخَرِ He said, but I was just not pleased that I should leave him in his grave with another person. I just didn't like the idea that there is another person in his grave with him. So, فَاسْتَخْرَجْتُهُ بَعْدَ سِتَّةِ أَشْهُرِ So I took him out after six months. He went, dug the grave, brought the body of his father out. After how long? Six months. فَإِذَا هُوَ كَيَّوْمِ وَضَعْتُهُ So he was like the day that I had put him in the grave. هُنَيَّةً All fresh, meaning he was just perfectly fine. هُنَيَّةً غَيْرَ أُذُنِهِ Everything was fine except for a small bit of his ear. So for that six months, his body was perfectly fine. It was like it was exactly the way that he had buried him. Not decomposed, not dirty, nothing. Now this is a very interesting hadith. Six months after the burial, he's extracting the body and relocating it, burying it in another grave. And what was the reason? Jabir anhu was not comfortable with the idea that somebody else was buried with his father in the grave. Right? So he had a reason. He had an illah. Right? Now, this, however, cannot be generalized. Okay? That somebody says, okay, we buried our relative in this grave, but we don't like the idea that his grave is, you know, in this part of the graveyard. We want it to be in another part of the graveyard. It's fancier, it's nicer, it's more accessible. No, that, that's not, that's not a good thing. Okay? There was a reason why he was not happy with this burial. According to him, it was not really a good way of burying someone that you cannot even allot a grave to them. Right? That they're sharing a grave because each person is supposed to have their own grave. That's the way. That's the principle. However, because of exceptional circumstances, two or more people can be put in one grave. Right? However, Jabir who did not like this. He did not consider this to be something that would befit his father. He wanted his father to have his own grave. And so he extracted the body and he he relocated it. He put it in another grave, a grave of his own. So remember that if a person has been buried in a grave, then technically the body should not be taken out unless there is a legitimate reason. If it is something that could solve potential problems and you know it, it could save the life of others then okay the scholars can deliberate over this there can be a discussion and then it's a fatwa issue right every case is unique and, and a fatwa would be needed for that because the general ruling is that you don't take the body out and we see that here Jabir who came up with a fatwa for his situation and he used his understanding he used his knowledge to come to this conclusion and he did it and his action was not criticized and he even spoke about it he even told people about it so this was acceptable but we don't see this as a trend that graves are being relocated all the time so there may be certain situations in which extracting the body may be necessary for example in the case of murder in the case of sudden death and you know there is a person whose life is on the line right he's been accused of murder and you know he could be in prison for the rest of his life so to protect his life 
to protect his innocence if the body is to be taken out for the purpose of for autopsy and trying to figure out you know to do certain tests and determine the real cause of death if there is you know if there seems like there is some possibility of helping people in general then okay again like i said it's a fatwa issue like a scholar would have to be asked who would have to look at the entire situation and then come up with a conclusion let me just quickly repeat that in some situations people may not have a choice like the order may come from a judge that the body must be extracted and you know certain tests be done so of course i mean we do have a precedent for this jabir tulawan who did that so okay so the graveyard is basically uh, baqir right people were not just buried anywhere they had baqir which was the graveyard where people would be buried and yes even though exactly even with all this expansion baqir is next to the masjid and yes i mean um, people are buried in baqir till today even though that graveyard has thousands of people buried within allahu alam how exactly that happens but people have their explanations yes i mean we see that he did something like this during the lifetime of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, if there was anything major or serious something that was seriously forbidden like you know with great warning then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was to teach people so we see the jabir radhiyallahu anhu did this and we don't learn about any criticism that he received حدثنا علي بن عبد الله حدثنا سعيد بن عامر عن شعبة عن ابن أبي نجيح عن عطاء عن جابر رضي الله عنه قال دفن مع أبي رجل فلم تطب نفسي حتى أخرجته فجعلته في قبر على حدة Similar narration, slightly different wording He said a man was buried with my father and I was not happy until I took him out and put him in a grave on his own حدة One thing you see over here that the father of Jabir radiyallahu anhu right how he just he was so sure that he was going to die in the battle and many times people have this really strong conviction that they're going to die very soon and they start giving advice at that time or giving certain instructions and we see here that his father gave instructions he told him i have dain alone so please pay it off and secondly be good to your sisters because he was leaving behind many daughters jabir radhiyallahu anhu was his only son so he gave this important instruction before his death bab al-lahdi wash-shaq fi al-qabr al-lahdi wash-shaq fi al-qabr the lahd and shaq in the grave lahd as you know is the niche which goes sideways and the shaq is the hole or the ditch that is dug and the deceased person is put at the bottom but remember that in both cases bricks are to be laid on the sides and the body is to be covered properly from the top in the case of a shaq and then dirt should be poured hadathana abdan akhbarana abdullah akhbarana layth ibn sa'd qala hadathani ibn shihab an abdurrahman ibn ka'b ibn malik an jabir ibn abdullah radiyallahu anhu again jabir radiyallahu anhu qala kana nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallama yajma'u bayna rajulayn min qatla uhud He said the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would join together two men from those who were killed in the battle of Uhud thumma yaqulu he would say ayyuhum akthar akhdan lilquran which of them has learned more quran fa idha ushira lahu ila ahadihima qaddamahu fil lahdi and when one of them was pointed to him then he would put him first in the lahd fa qala 
And then he said, أَنَا شَهِيدٌ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I will be a witness for these people on the Day of Judgment. فَأَمَرَ بِدَفْنِهِمْ بِدِمَائِهِمْ وَلَمْ يُغَسِّلْهُمْ He ordered that they be buried with their blood and he did not wash them. So here we see, Imam Bukhari brings this hadith again over here to show that lahd was used. So both ways, remember, are permissible, the lahd and the shaq. However, there is a report in Abu Dawood in which we learn Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu reported that al-lahdu lana wa-shaqqu li-ghayrina that the lahd is for us meaning the Muslims and the shaq is for others meaning the way of the Muslims is that they bury their dead in a lahd this is our shi'ar this is our custom this is our tradition and other people yes they bury their dead in a shaq in a hole so this hadith shows that what is better? What is better? The lahd is better. However, both are valid, both are permissible. Inshallah we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.